Hey everybody, this is Kirk Walden and welcome to the Faith Revolution Podcast. This is Kirk. And this is Jen. And welcome to the Faith Revolution Podcast today. It's going to be an interesting day because we're going to be talking about loving our neighbor. And when I talk about loving our neighbor, it's easy to say, oh, we all know how to do that. We've read the story in the Bible and all those things. But today we're going to take kind of a different look. And I, and I think it's going to challenge my perceptions when we looked at it. And I know as we've talked about it, we've had new things continue to pop up. So I want to jump right in and I want to talk to Jen and ask her a little bit about loving our neighbor and how this all began. Just go. Okay. <laughs> I My first moment of thinking, oh goodness, we have something different. There's a new way to look at this, was we were walking down the street in our current neighborhood and you, Kirk Walden, looked at me and said, you know, I think when God says, love your neighbor. Yeah, he, he meant it. He when, meant it. <laughs> when Jesus said that, he meant it. And and that was just kind of strange to me. I hadn't thought about that before, but he was not only talking in the big picture. We know the story of the Good Samaritan when he talks about loving your neighbor. But what about our neighbor on the street? And in our previous neighborhood, we didn't have bad relationships, but we just didn't have a lot of connection with our neighbors, did we? No. And just to put it in context, you are an extrovert. You will talk to anyone. I love it. If I go into a store, I'm going to say, hey, how you doing? When I check into a hotel, I get to know people and all those things. It's just my thing. You're that person where everybody knows your name. When you go into the post office or, you know, a place where you are a frequent uh, visitor, people know who you are. That is you, Kirk Walden. And at the bank, do I go through the drive-thru? Oh, heck no. I have to go inside. So we are right now podcasting in the middle of the COVID epidemic and it's killing me because I can't (laughs) go inside the bank. It's all remote and it's just tough. So that's who you are. I, on the other hand, am an introvert. I, you know, it's some people really don't believe me when I say that, but it's very uncomfortable for me, especially to converse with someone I don't know. You know, if I know you pretty, we're great. But if I don't know you, it makes me really stressed. So that has been our marriage in that's been my growth in the last years of being married to you. Well, you say you hide behind me, but when <laughs> we go out and see people or whatever, but fact of the matter is when people see you, they are drawn to you. And I think a lot of people, I'm glad you shared that because a lot of people, I don't think realize that you are an introvert. Mm-hmm. So here we are in our old neighborhood, rocking along. We end up needing to move. My mom moves in with us. She had had a stroke and we need a new place where we can create a landing pad for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had been downstairs in an upstairs house where most everything is upstairs. She couldn't be going up and downstairs for years. So we needed a new home. Take us from there, Jen. So you would think this wouldn't be hard, but we had a lot of needs. We had a lot going on with our home. You work out of our house. When you're not traveling, you're home constantly. We, We homeschool, so that's another component of life. We have older children, so we're constantly entertaining. We're constantly having people come and go. So we had really specific needs for a home. We looked and looked. We couldn't find one. We'd put an offer on one house. It was funny because the house across from Moss Wright, we loved that house. But yet there was something for both of us we weren't sure about. And so um, it had the space that we needed. It was, you know, we put an offer in and we said one, you know that yeah, story better yeah, than I do. Yeah, they were, they were wanting a little bit more and we went up a little bit more and we were competing with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I looked at you and we 
just weren't convinced. And I said, if they want $1,000 more, we're out. Mm -hmm. And we're talking, you know, we're talking the price of a house. So this isn't like a car where you'd really haggle over it. We're talking a couple of bucks a month. That's it. But we decided $1,000 more and we're out. And they came back wanting $1,000 more. (laughs) And we were out. And so we're back at square one. We thought we had another house. Right. And I remember I was in the Midway Airport in Chicago. You were you were at church or something. It was well, Sunday morning. We were putting an offer on the house that day. I was meeting with our realtor that day to put an offer on the house. And so then what happened from there is I'm I'm planning on us doing this. I'm like, this is going to be our house. I felt pretty confident. And somebody comes up to you at church and says, Hey, I hear that you are wanting to get a new home to accommodate your, your changes in your life. I just happen to have a piece of property. I want you to look at it. And if you want it, not only that, but this person is a contractor, I will help build the house you need. Mic drop. (laughs) I was like, what? This is insane. So I went out that day. I called you. I'm like, honey, you've you've got to see this property. And I remember exactly where I was. I was between A and B terminals at Midway Airport in Chicago. I'm right outside the bookstore that I love to frequent when I'm going through there. But I'm I'm in there and we say, okay, we're going for it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go see this lot. We called the realtor, said, we're sorry. Go ahead and sell the house we've got. Which we hate because we just love him. Our realtor, yeah. we just love him. And it was sad. <laughs> yeah, it really was. But he sold the house we had. Right. Sold it for more mm-hmm. than we thought we'd get for it. And we move into this new neighborhood. And so I guess we'd say all this to bring us back to what we're talking about, loving our neighbor. We believe God placed us here. And it's funny because I just heard a pastor speak out of uh, Texas. It's actually where our sister-in-law and brother-in-law go attend church and we listen to um, a service from their pastor and he was saying that he really believes God places us where we are to be in communities. It's it's no accident that that's your neighborhood and that's your hood. And that really resonated with me because it made me think back to our own story of how we ended up in this place. And you will not convince me that God didn't place us here. So here we are walking down the street <laughs> talking about loving our neighbor and it hit me. What is if, in addition to all the global stuff that Jesus was talking about, he's also talking about our neighbor mm-hmm. right next door. Are we loving our neighbors? Now, we weren't against our neighbors. Let's not say that. No. But we didn't really know them. I'd say hi. That would be it. But we decided right then and there, we're going to be a little more intentional about getting to know our neighbors. We didn't have a great plan in place or anything like that. Mm-mm. But we just began to shift our thinking. Is that fair? That's fair. And I think that I knew in my heart when you said it, it meant something big. I didn't fully understand at that moment what it meant, but I knew this is real and this is going to be a journey and it's an important journey. I know. And the thing for me is I've read books on, say, evangelism and things like that. And I've read the studies by the Barna group and all that that say X percent of Christians have never shared their faith with their neighbor. Hmm. And I'm intimidated by that because I think, okay, if Jesus said, love my neighbor, then I need to be out there sharing my faith. I need to be talking to them. I need to be doing all these things. I need to have a plan. I need to have an agenda. And all of a sudden, I'm intimidated and overwhelmed Mm -hmm. until we step back and I realize Jesus didn't say, share your faith with your neighbor. Now, I know there's going to be some pushback on that, and I get it, Mm -hmm. and I want to address that. But first, Jesus didn't say, share me, share your faith with your neighbor. He said in that particular context, love your neighbor. Right. And I, I 
think I I think that's such an important discussion for us to have because I think that when we talk about it almost is a totally separate podcast but when we talk about what does it mean to share our faith with our neighbor I think that we have to be careful because what does that mean of course I'm going to share my faith with my neighbor because that radiates who I am but am I going to evangelize my neighbor those to me are very separate questions and might demand a whole separate discussion for us but for the purposes of what we're talking about today how do we love our neighbor because if I love you I'm gonna my faith is gonna just pour out on you if I love you so to separate those two things for this discussion I think is important yeah I want to separate because that you're exactly right what happens happened for me over the years was in because I was so intimidated by the idea that I needed to any relationship with a neighbor had to lead to evangelism so instead of doing anything I just got nervous stepped back and so any outreach I did was based in the context of ministry work or church work and I Mm -hmm. skipped right over my neighbor right that was my problem and so going back and saying hey he said love your neighbor now the pushback comes from those who would say and rightly so Jesus said go and make disciples too didn't he and aren't your neighbors people you would want to and I go absolutely but if we look at that carefully he was saying as you go make disciples not go make disciples necessarily as you go and I have found I don't mean to be skipping ahead but I have found that I have had strong incredible faith discussions with my neighbors just by getting to know them it just happens so to kind of help us so we've kind of given our backstory about where we both come from for me my introversion and I also think you're you're telling your story of what what your perspective was on neighbors I think my whole life I have lived through that lens of relationships through the lens of evangelism more than I could have ever imagined. If I can't have a personal faith relationship with you, it doesn't mean I wouldn't be nice to you. It wouldn't didn't mean I wouldn't smile, but my investment in you was very low if I didn't see the faith perspective. If I didn't see the word evangelism kind of I'm going to use that even though that's not really how I thought, but if that wasn't present, then my investment in you was going to be super low cuz I'm going to be real I had an agenda yeah and and that's what intimidated me is I felt like I had to have an agenda Mm -hmm. because I'm failing God if I don't have an agenda my goodness if I can't be evangelizing with this person then why am I giving them my shovel what's the use I mean I've got to do something along with it instead of just loving my neighbor Mm -hmm. and that's been a challenge for me over the years I didn't realize it because I'm involved in ministries I had the opportunity to share my faith bunches of times and so hey that's good, isn't it, God? And I had church, could invite people to church, all those type of things, taught Sunday school, did all the things that I needed to do. I am sharing my faith. I'm doing good. So what is the neighbor thing? Where does that fit in? Well, in my mind, well, I guess it doesn't have to really. I need to be nice to my neighbors, but that's about it. And so I never got involved in those relationships. And it's been amazing as we decided intentionally, hey, let's just love our neighbors. Let's look to be a little more intentional that I have had some incredibly personal discussions, which I obviously won't go into here with several of my neighbors that I don't think I would have had otherwise. Well, they've shared challenges and different things with me that I don't think we would have otherwise. You don't get that just walking by and waving your hand. Yeah. And I think that um, I'm going to try to transition into this. Another cool God moment through all of this was when we first moved in, we just barely had moved in and I got a knock on the door and I opened the door and there's this cute little lady. She's actually young, quite a bit younger than me in her probably late 20s, early 30s and she has a gift for me and she's just a ray of sunshine 
And at the time, I took what she handed me was a candle and a note. And I just, wow. It was very special. But I want to point that out because it'd be about another year or so before you and I would go on that walk and you would tell me love your neighbor. It really means love your neighbor. But she actually ends it, ended up being a very influential and still is a very influential person on how I see some of this. I would love to interview her eventually about this topic. But Melinda, I love that lady. She was doing the very thing we're talking about. And we would end up having a lot of conversations about it. But a God moment. It like the moment we moved into this house, that's kind of like to me this sign of, of what God was calling us to do is her, her giving me this gift. And later we'd end up having quite a relationship with her um, that's been really special, but with a lot of neighbors. And she had already sort of been laying the groundwork for community, really without agenda. So and they did that. They had a, a dinner over at their house mm-hmm. around Easter time and, and people came and, and I don't think everybody shared the same faith or whatever, but they just had one and it was just, it was fun. Kids playing in the yard and everybody had a blast. And we got to know neighbors mm-hmm. we wouldn't have otherwise known, which has built some relationships that we wouldn't have otherwise had because right. we'd have never even known where they lived. Now we know their house. We go by and wave and you've had coffee with one few times and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it just built from there. It, it did. That that was kind of a, a cool moment. So I digress a little bit, but where do we want to go from here? Well, I think you're right on track because we're talking about loving without agenda. Mm-hmm. And we weren't going to throw this out there. We're thinking, I oh, will leave this out, but I'm going to, I'm going to put it on the table. One of the things we decided to do was just have an ice cream social. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, we're not here to give ideas and say, do this, do this and do this because everybody is different. But for us, we just had ice cream. We didn't think anybody would show up. We were afraid that no one would show up. And it's funny because we just said, bring your own toppings. We'll have the ice cream. And we set a time going to be on our back deck patio, whatever inside the house. Our neighbors down the street came early who we didn't really know. We had seen them like one or two times. And now they've become some of our closest friends, mm-hmm. but they came because they felt sorry for us because they were afraid maybe nobody would show up. But we, you remember that? <laughs> yes. We love you, Russ and Kelly. We really do. <laughs> and we had, I think, 55, 56 people show up. They just kind of yeah. came from everywhere. A couple brought a dog and a child and uh, kids were everywhere. And it was just a, a blast. And so as we talk about this, I don't want to make a list for people. No. This is what you need to do. You need to bake brownies when they move in. You need to, none of that. No. What is it that's comfortable for you? That's the thing that I want to focus on. What works? I think this is such an important point you're making because especially women. I have read books. There are some really popular books right now out there about, you know, how we love our neighbors or how we reach out to people and how we're supposed to use our home for God's glory. And some of it makes me cringe because I feel like we're putting burdens on people about what there's, it's just another rule. It's more legalism about what it means to be a good Christ follower. And I'm sorry, this, it's not the same for everyone. And I want to be really transparent about something on my end. And I hope maybe it helps you understand my feeling about this topic. I love having people over. We always have. That's who we are. Our home is known as like, you know, people, we love to have people over. But here's my little secret. I don't feel like I'm a good cook. It's a proven fact, even though you'll say, oh, Jennifer. As a husband, I must interject here and say she is a fantastic cook. She has low self-esteem in the cookery area, but she's a great cook. (laughs) 
Well, okay, so my thing is, you know, for example, if I'm going to go to a, a party with some girlfriends, I'm not that person where everybody says, oh, Jen, you've got to bring that thing you make. And he's, you're laughing, Kirk, because you know it's true. I'm only smiling because I know it's funny, but not because I know it's true. <laughs> so I'm that person that's like, oh, why don't you bring the cups and you can bring the paper goods. You know, it's just the way it is. I, I am also, if I am going to bring food, I am stopping by the store on the way. It's it's just my thing. Well, you got to tell the story of our neighbors up the street who had a child in the hospital and your plan was? So Eric and Wendy, we, we really love them. They've become very precious to us, but they were going through a very hard time and I wanted to reach out to them and do something special. So I'm like, I'm going to cook them a meal. And so uh, just to put my, my perspective, like I remember when we had Josh, who's now 12, and it was it was a really hard season of being in and out of the hospital. And he, he was in the ICU for five days. And mm-hmm. I was having some health problems myself. It was just a scary time. And people, oh my goodness, how kind they were and brought us meals. And I mean, gourmet style meals. I, I was just blown away. But then for me as a woman, I'm like, I I want to be able to do that for people. Okay. It's the woman rule. Yeah, that, yeah that it's, is. It's you what you do. You got to be a good casserole person or whatever yes. it is. So here are Eric and Wendy and I'm like, oh, I get to do something for them. I'm going to make my mom's beef stew. Yay. Now, never mind the fact, because I love that stew. I thought it's, I'm going to keep it simple. You know, I'm going to make it easy for myself. So I'm going to make beef stew. I'm going to make enough for us. I'm going to make enough for them. I, I put it together. I, I take it over to their house. I'm, you know, loving on them. I'm so glad I could do something for you guys and blah, blah, blah. I go home, we sit down to eat dinner, and I take my first bite, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this meat is like shoe leather. It's awful. It was not done. It had not cooked long enough, and so I am texting Wendy back as soon as I'm like, Wendy, I'm so sorry. The stew is not done, and I mean, there was no way it was going to be done in time. Like, I took their dinner to them like at five o'clock. That stew needed several hours on the stove still. So I felt like such a failure, but I'm saying that to say I have had to humble myself and realize that for me, loving somebody doesn't look like it will be for my friends who can throw together a gourmet meal. For me, it may mean a gift card to Chick-fil-A or Panera, or it may mean something totally different. It, it just isn't going to look the way I want it to, but I had to learn that's okay. Love anyways. That's right. And and I think part of that is small steps lead to freedom for me. I thought I had to do the whole thing. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can just go over and say, hey, I see a guy working in his yard. Or if he's, uh, we've got one that's building a, a home for his RV that is going to be great. Mm-hmm. And so we visited through that process as he's dealt with construction issues and things like that. It's been a blast. We just talk. Mm-hmm. Ask a few questions. Talk to another guy about just what's going on in his world. And and it's just great that, that I don't have to do everything. I don't have to have a plan. Mm-mm. You talked about it earlier. I don't have to have an agenda. In fact, one of the things that jumps out at me is something we've talked about a good bit. Sometimes we may only be a sentence in someone else's story. Mm-hmm. Let's make it a good sentence. 
Mm. And I say good because popped into my mind. How about memorable? How about amazing? All these things. And I go back to Jesus and he said, I'm the good shepherd, meaning consistent, trustworthy. You can count on me to do the shepherding thing well. My sentence is a good one. Mm. It may not be. It, hey, I may end up being a paragraph mm-hmm. in this guy's story. I could be a whole chapter. I don't know. But if I'm only going to be a sentence, let me make it a good one. Mm-hmm. Let me make it one that he goes, oh, I could read that sentence again. Right. And without the agenda of someone becoming your project or your checklist. They're just a creation of God who's worthy of getting to know and care about without me feeling like they're my project. Yeah. Just what we said. They're not our project. They're not our agenda. And the hard thing for me is because I count. You know, I go back to say the book of Acts or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I say, they counted how many, their number and all this kind of stuff. And so I feel like I need to count too. In this case, Jesus just said, love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. You don't have to count certain things. You don't have to go through the checklist moving them toward a certain point if you love them. And this is where faith comes in. Mm -hmm. This whole podcast is about faith revolution, simple faith, multiplying our faith, all those things. Simple faith is loving our neighbor. But here's the challenge. Faith is knowing that if I love my neighbor well, that neighbor, uh, we have faith that God is going to reach out to that neighbor and the opportunities, if necessary, for us to grasp, those opportunities will come. That's faith. Because I feel like I got to take it on myself. And I got to say, okay, God, this is is what I need to do. I'm not asking you to do that, Kurt. I'm asking you just love your neighbor. Just do that. Don't worry. I'll provide opportunities if they're for you. I love it. It's funny because the pastor I heard from Texas that I mentioned earlier, he made the point that we rationalize who our neighbors are, Ooh. and I have done it, but he made the point the word neighbor in and of itself means those who are near to you, and I, I think it means physically the people in your path. I think it relates to where you live, where you work, where you shop, you eat. I think this is a much wider application, but I think when we look at it a different way, when we look at what loving people means, I think from a more deep perspective, it makes it a lot easier because we don't have this load on ourselves that we're carrying that I have to witness and evangelize. My faith is shared in a different context of just basic love, kindness, and patience and care. Well, when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, he was walking by and somebody happened to be near. Mm. So that was his neighbor. Yeah. And the other thing is we can look at Jesus and while he was pretty darn good evangelist, I mean, that was kind (laughs) of his job. You notice he would heal somebody. He'd be a good neighbor, but only a couple times does he say, now come and follow me. That's not the main thing. He heals them. Then they've got to make a decision. And Mm. so as we reach out to people, sometimes they're in a wounded state. They're in a tough spot in any way you can. Maybe it is just that sentence. Maybe it's a chapter, maybe whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but we don't have to do all the things we think we have to do. We just don't. And I think if we could realize that freedom, what's our takeaway today? I think there's a freedom in knowing we only may be a sentence in somebody's life. Let's be a good one. We don't have to have an agenda. That would be number two. One, we're a sentence. Number two, we don't have to have an agenda. We don't have to feel the pressure of walking through this process to get our neighbor to a certain point. Love is going to be enough. Look for open doors, sure. And the third one is do what works for you because we're not all great cooks. 
cooks. I still think, I'm going to say this again, I still think she's a great cook. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that beef, but she makes great beef If stew. that were the only story, then we'd be okay, but it's it's just a long history of, of fails. But yeah, I think what you're saying is so important. It is it's sometimes as simple as a smile. It's as simple as a wave. It's as simple as, hey, are you doing okay? Yeah. Are you guys good? And I have to point this out really fast. We are in the middle of the quarantine. And one of the things that, that this new mindset has done for me, I, I think there's a lot of fear throughout our country right now. And that hurts my heart for people. But I know for me, there has been such a comfort in knowing that I have a relationship with the people right here with me in my neighborhood. The people I get to visibly see daily. And we look at each other and we know, yeah, this is crazy, isn't it? This is a hard time, but we're there for each other. We've had neighbors say, hey, you got everything you need. You got your toilet paper because you know, that's such a big thing right now. Do you have food? How's your job going? And we're able to do the same for others. And that has made me have a sense of peace and calm through this, that if we didn't know our neighbors, I just don't know how that would feel. I think it'd feel pretty scary. It'd be very isolating. So that's been an unexpected consequence of of this new attitude we have about loving the people right beside us. Yeah, it's a great benefit. And as we, we go through these takeaways, I think the final one would be this. What is one thing I can do that tells my neighbor, hey, I'm here? What is it for me that works? And if we can do one small thing, and I remember a podcaster once said, do for one what you wish you could do for all. You don't have to do the whole neighborhood. Who's one? What's one thing? Every step takes us closer to loving our neighbor. So a different look at loving our neighbor. Been kind of fun. It's been a good discussion. And now I guess our thing is let's go out and do that very thing. It's challenging. It's sometimes intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. It can be comfortable. It can be joyful and it can be life-changing maybe for them, but certainly for us. And considering everything we've been facing as a world population, I think we've seen so many great examples of people loving their neighbor. And to me, as the body of Christ, this should be a shot in the arm about what it looks like to really love people that are right in our path nearest to us. Love it. Let's call it a day. Thanks for joining us on the Faith Revolution Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. To find resources, show notes, and more, join me at kirkwalden.com. And while you're there, join our family of subscribers to get updates on the next episode of the Faith Revolution Podcast.